We all want work-life balance, and yet it seems like we can never quite get there. On today's episode, how to navigate the challenges of work-life balance. This is Coaching for Leaders, episode 315. Produced by Innovate Learning. Maximizing human potential. Greetings to you from Orange County, California. This is Coaching for Leaders, and I'm your host, Dave Stahoviak. Leaders aren't born, they're made. And this weekly show gives you access to the practical wisdom that will empower you to become a better leader. Welcome back to the show. If you're joining us for the first time, welcome. Today, a conversation that all of us think about, and maybe not all of us, but I think almost all of us, which is this term that so many of us have thought about, we've stressed over, we've maybe even tried to think of what does it mean for us, and that's work-life balance. It's one of those terms that is elusive, something we all want, and yet it's also overused. (laughs) Terms like employee engagement and a lot of the cliche terms that we hear in organizations and in careers. Uh, work-life balance tends to be one of those. It's, it's elusive. We don't know what to actually do with it. But at the same time, most of us know we want more of it. And I'm really glad today to be welcoming a returning guest to the show who's an expert in helping all of us to think about our careers more strategically and specifically how we utilize our time effectively. And that is Scott Anthony Barlow. Scott is the founder of Happen to Your Career, He has been helping people develop their careers and businesses for over 10 years as a human resources leader, business development expert, and career coach. Scott interviews others telling their stories of finding work they love on the Happen to Your Career podcast, and he's uh, returning. Scott, you were on about a year ago talking about how to frame your career, and uh, we'll link back to that in uh, the show notes, of course, but I'm really glad to have you back. I am so excited to be back. It was about a year ago. It was. That is, yeah. that is crazy. It doesn't, I don't know how a year has passed, it, but it, yeah, it thank you for having me back on. I am glad to have you back on. And this is one of those topics that is one that is hard to frame. I think speaking of framing, because last time you were on, we talked about framing our careers and and you we used did. this beautiful analogy of a puzzle and This is a topic, when we think about work-life balance, it's a topic that's really hard to frame. It's one of those things like we all know we want, and yet it seems so elusive for most of us. And you've probably done more work than most people I know on helping people to think about this a lot more intentionally because you you and your team are doing this with clients all the time. So I'm curious to start off, how do you even frame this term? What does it mean to you and your team, and how do you help people? think through work-life balance. Yeah, absolutely. And I I think you're right. It is elusive. It is overused and it is somewhat mythical. It's kind of like the equivalent of a long-lasting iPhone battery. It just just doesn't exist. (laughs) And it's this concept of work-life balance is, it's a leftover concept. And it's one that I don't think really applies anymore, but but the terminology is still there. And you still, if you Google for it, you can still find many articles and well-known publications that are releasing these articles that talk about it really, really recently. I, I bet if we typed into Google right now, we'd probably find one that was published in the last few days. So we won't call out any names or anything like that. But you know, it's left over from the the twenties through the fifties, where if if you're working at that point in time, it is much more segregated because 
Well, we didn't have the connectivity that we have through different types of devices. We weren't connected to the office or to work or to the, the business or whatever it is in the same way that we are now. And you would go in, you would, you would, if you're getting there early, you might be working like eight and then you, you know, get, get to five o'clock and you go home and, and you finish up and you're done for the day. And then you go about the rest of your life. And from that comes this whole term of balancing work versus the rest of your life. Now, it's kind of a funny term, though, because if you think about it, I mean, let's just call out the obvious, right? (laughs) Have we glossed right over the fact that life doesn't stop when you're at work? Like you're still you're still living, you're still breathing and vice versa, especially now more than ever with most businesses operating 24 seven. Yeah, your your work doesn't necessarily stop with your life, and neither one of those really can be fully separate anymore. You know, I should acknowledge there are places and there are industries where what we've described is still the case, but I think you and I are both seeing that that's less and less, and more and more we're starting to see, I know the people I hear from, where work life is sort of an ongoing presence in our lives, even vacations now. I, I, I've heard a number of conversations and dialogue and and from clients even in the past couple of months of like, how do I handle email on vacation? It's not, should I? It's how I. (laughs) And when I. It's when I. (laughs) Like, how do I manage that? And so we've, even as a society, we've moved to this place where even when we're on vacation, we don't think about truly disconnecting from work. And by the way, I I don't necessarily argue with that. I, I have many times recently engaged with email on vacation. And so, you know, I'm, one of the things I'm curious about in in how this evolves is I, I think that one reason this becomes an issue for people is they, they come to this place of maybe thinking of like, I, I'm just not happy with what I've got right now. But also sometimes there's a there's a precipitating event. And I was curious as I was thinking about our conversations, kind of was reading one of the articles on your website, and you talked about a situation that happened with one of your kids. It sounds like precipitated some career challenges with you, but I didn't. There, there wasn't a lot more detail in the article, and I was curious uh, what happened with you that got you thinking differently on this. You know the the event that I think you're referring to is probably about eight or ten years ago. I was working for a pretty pretty well known organization, retail type organization, and it. I mean, it for all intents and purposes, it was a it was a twenty four hour business. And I was responsible for a pretty sizable chunk of that business. And that meant that I had responsibilities that sometimes went well into the, well into the evening. W- along with that, there was this one particular night where we were, we were working late and I couldn't leave because I was responsible for ensuring that a bunch of million dollars worth of inventory was getting where it needed to go and I needed to be there for it and blah, 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 all that. But this particular night, I got, <laughs> I don't know how it works in, in your family necessarily, but if my wife calls me three times in a row, that means it's an emergency. So that that happened on my cell phone. And my wife called me and said, hey, I'm on my way to the hospital. And your son at the time is about 18 months old and his name's Camden. And he was having an allergic reaction. Mm. And it was an allergic reaction to some medication that he he'd received earlier in the day. And fortunately, the doctor in this particular case, fortunately, the doctor had prescribed two different types of medication. And the irony and coincidence in this particular case is that he prescribed a steroid 
and prescribed a type of penicillin. And in this particular case, we had happened to give them, give him the, the steroid at the same time as the penicillin. So if we hadn't done that, his airway probably would have completely closed off. And I don't know that we would have made it to the hospital. Mm. So he very literally almost, almost died en route to the hospital. And the, the sad part for me was because I didn't have the time I wasn't spending my time and didn't have necessarily the, the flexibility and, and control over my time in the ways that I wanted to for me at that point in my life, it meant that I felt like I could not be there. I felt like I could not be there when my kid was almost dying and on the way to the hospital and my wife needed me. And that was, that was unacceptable to me. And, you know, that was, that was the choice that I'd made and be, uh, being involved with that company and that position and that type of responsibility and everything else that lo- went along with it. And I ended up actually leaving. I ended up just like dropping everything and leaving, but I totally could have been fired for that. It would have been pretty inhumane to do so, I think. And they didn't fire me, but I totally could have been. And that started causing me to think about how I was spending my time in completely different ways and what was really, truly important to me in everything that I was doing. And that that's what first introduced me to the concept of living living my life in my career, building my career in a way that fully integrated with the things that I wanted most throughout my life. And beginning to not not look at it as a separation between work and the whole rest of my life, but instead embed into my entire life, the different ways that I wanted to be spending my time. Because if, if you stop and think about it, like all of us only have so much time, right? I know that sounds pretty obvious, but if you start to break it down, then you realize, okay, X amount of time is, is sleep. And that might be seven to eight hours for, for most of us, someplace around there. You know, maybe a few of us need 10 hours of sleep or have 10 teenagers that need 10 hours of sleep or whatever. But most of us, you know, someplace in that range. And then what's, what ends up being left over in a given year is roughly a little bit less than 6,000 hours, which means that if I think about it that way, I only have 6,000 hours or so to be able to, to spend living regardless of whether I'm uh, working on work, whether regardless I'm whether I'm doing something else, regardless of whether I'm spending time with my kids. And, and once you start to realize that, you realize that a much, much better approach rather than looking at it as balancing work versus life or what's more popular now, which is the term work-life integration, integrating your, integrating your life with your work is focusing on during that, that 6,000 hours, spending your time in ways that give you fulfillment and, and happiness and also allow you to accomplish some of the other things that are really very important to you. My sense of getting to know you over the last year or two and hearing about some of the client stories you've had and people who've worked with you is that you and your team are really good at getting people to look at the big picture. And, and I say that because when we talk about um, work-life integration, work-life balance, these terms come up, a lot of people start thinking about time management. How can I be more efficient? How can I get the right app and have the right list and all the systems organized in the right way and use the right calendar and miss the bigger picture piece that I often see, which is, are you even doing the right things in the first place? And, and I know one of the questions you're really intentional about asking people is, how do you want to spend your time 
and figuring out what's most important. How do you help people to do that? <laughs> great, great question. <laughs> and also a big question. And you know, we can, we can absolutely touch on it. And I think I can give you and all of the CFL listeners some ways to get started doing that. But I think in order to do that, have to go back to the the concept in terms of what's what's the difference between time management and other ways that you could look at this because just like you acknowledged time management is really how do you how do you how do you spend the time that you have but when you're focused on time management it asks you to ask questions like hey how do i how do i take all the things that i need to get done like how do i get all these tasks that are right in front of me how do I get them all done and how do I get them done in an effective amount of time and all kinds of stuff like that. And I, I believe that if you're solely focused on that, it really, it really takes you completely off track from what's most important. And instead, what we often teach for nearly everything that we do is that prioritization and being able to effectively prioritize and understand what is most valuable in any aspect of life or work or projects or tasks or anything else is a much more effective approach because that allows you to ask questions like, hey, do I even want to complete these tasks in the first place? Or would it be far more effective overall in accomplishing whatever I want to accomplish to do something completely different or to do nothing? It's so easy to fall into that habit of productive procrastination of trying to knock out the task list, getting everything done, and yet not really accomplishing the thing that's most important. And I can't remember if I mentioned this on the show before or not, Scott, but I've really stepped away. I still use a task list every day, but it tends to be one of the last things I look at. It's the if I have time list or the things I absolutely have to do. And I, I've moved to running my days off of a calendar of blocking out the time that I want to be intentional about doing the things that I think are most important personally and professionally. And I've heard that that is something that a lot of people are starting to do more of in order to utilize time well. How does that fit in with this? Is that something that that you've seen as well? Yeah, and I think that there's a number of I'm going to call them processes or procedures or tools that you can you can use to be able to look at your your look at your time more holistically. And actually I've got a good good friend Mike Vardy, I've had a lot of fun conversations with him about this because he's very much an expert in both the time and priority management. And he, if you talk to him, he'll use something that he calls time theming or theme blocking. And, you know, that is very much looking at, okay, and what is important to me? Let's acknowledge, let's acknowledge what is actually most important to me. And then let's schedule a calendar and the times associated with that calendar around the things that are most important. And let's not let other stuff that is less important creep onto the calendar consistently. So that's that's one one approach. And another approach, if you've heard or read the book, The One Thing, they prescribe something that they call time blocking, which is which is a similar concept, but they say, okay, let's identify what is your your one thing that is more important than anything else. And let's, let's say that that applies to your work or, you know, let's say that that applies to you know, your, your team or your section of the business or whatever it might be and accomplishing the, the one thing that is more important than nearly anything else that is going to drive the rest of everything else and ultimately make, uh, make everything else easier or unneeded. They prescribe building out 
building time into your calendar that is non-negotiable to be able to accomplish that. Now, regardless of whatever, whatever way that you're looking at it, to be able to do any of those things, you really have to go through and be able to understand what is most important. And whether we're talking about you know, holistically for your entire life or we're just simply talking about work, you have to go through the process of understanding what, what really is most important to you and what matters more than anything else. And what do you value more in, if we're talking about, you know, life as a whole, what do you value more than anything else? A lot of times we, you know, throw around the term values constantly, and that's really kind of a, a mushy term a little bit. And I think we've got, got all got a lot of different associations with that. But when, when I think of what you value more, then that also indicates to me that you have to prioritize because we all value a lot of different things. And as, and you get to do the same thing. You've, on your podcast, you've had a ton of people that have been successful by their own standards and not by other people's. And I've, I've been able to bring a lot, of, a lot of really, really successful people by their own standards on our show over at Happened to Your Career too. But the funny thing that I've observed with that and lots of other different studies and research is that those people that are successful by their own rights and have some measure of happiness with their life or their work are those that understand clearly what is most important to them because you can have uh, you can you can have some of the things whatever they are you know time or experiences or material possessions or any anything that can fall into the category whatever is most important to you you can have those things that are most important to you but if you focus on all of the things that are important to you then you often will not be able to have that whatever that is does that make sense it does. And you and your team really have the privilege of working with people who are very much at this active stage of career transition or are very proactively thinking about making a career transition. And this question is often, I, I would assume, if not immediately front and center, becomes very front and center very quickly as they're working with you. What have you found that's been effective at helping people to answer that question on what is most important and how do they want to spend their time? We, <laughs> it's a complex question. So the only way that we found to answer really difficult, complex questions like that is to be able to break it down into ways that allow you to think about sections of it. So one of the ways that we do that is we actually try and break this down into different areas or different sections of your life. And so some of those areas are you know, finances, because everybody has to, everybody has financial goals, everybody has financial needs in their life. Another area is relationships, because if you're thinking about relationships, then, well, this is possibly the most underutilized and underappreciated area. But we find that if you're working around people that you want to be around and you've identified what types of people that you want to be around and those relationships that are possibly even already existing, let alone the ones that you haven't built yet, then ultimately if you're around the types of people that you want to be around that inspire you and cause you to grow and everything else, you are a happier human. So we, we look at relationships as another, another category. And then we also look at your environment. And when you're talking about environment, that can be your literal environment as far as, hey, where are you living? Are you living on the West Coast in, say, Orange County? And is does that float your boat? Or 
you know, do you want to live near water? Or I live in Moses Lake, Washington. I can, I run a business that allows me to live pretty much anywhere in the world, but we live in Moses Lake, Washington because we love living next to the lake and we love having 310 days of year of sun. And there's a whole bunch of other things that really fit with what we want out of life that happen to be here. But if you're looking at environment, there's also the other side of that. Like, what is the type of culture of an organization that you want to work with? And what is important to you there? What is most important to you there? So we, we take these, these areas plus a few others and we start to have people notate out, hey, what is, what is important to you in each of these areas? And then very often what we do from there, we start to get a pretty sizable list, right? You might start to imagine. Some people look at it and like, I don't know what's important to me. And, and they struggle to be able to get any, anything out. And then other people you know, have a list a mile and a half long. And especially for those people that have a list a mile and a half long, that's where we begin the prioritization. And it, it becomes this matter of, okay, out of, out of these areas, one or some of the areas that are most important to me. And that's, that's a challenging thing to, to take a look at because you might be evaluating, hey, is it more important to me to <laughs> live on the water or is it more important to me to be able to you know, have, have friends that are at work that I work with on a, on a daily basis and that I want to you know, be able to go out and barbecue with afterwards. And that's where we begin to help people answer those types of questions. It really is an economics question in some way. Economics, of course, the study yeah. of how people make decisions with scarce resources, right? And there's no oh, yeah. scarcer resource than our time. So right I'm, it, 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 there's the, with that quote, I don't know who said it, but you can do anything you want. You just can't do everything you want. And so there's yes. a there's a trade-off there of figuring out what is most important. Do I want to, for example, your do I want to work on a lake or do I want to work in an office? Or do you know, and all those things contribute to, you know, what people would call work-life balance. But part of what I'm hearing you say, Scott, is before you even get into the time management, the calendars, the work-life balance, all those things, is for you as an individual and a spouse or partner or family of first of all, making that decision of what do I want this to look like? How do I actually want to spend my time? What do I want my life to look like on a daily basis? And yet the challenge I, I often find is that we're not, a lot of us willing to think that proactively or think that big about yeah. what do I really want? Do, yeah. do you see that same thing? Yes. <laughs> so I find that unless I do something to force myself to think that way, then often I'm not going to get those results of thinking that way. And I mean, we have many people come to us that pay us pretty substantial amounts of money to help them think that way so that they can achieve the results that they want. Because it, let's be honest, most people aren't doing it because it's difficult. It takes, it takes time and it takes upfront planning and it takes answering some really difficult questions and critical thought around that and really sifting through what is actually most important to you and being able to effectively prioritize what, what matters most to you. What do you value most? And again, many people are coming to us initially from the lens of their career, but they're coming to us because they want to experience happiness in how they're spending their time. Like if we really just cut cut down to it. So re yes, you're right. A lot of what we do is, is that 
prioritization and it is something that is 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 difficult and you know the thing that i know to be true or i've seen to be true that i always go back to is when you do things that other people are not willing to do you get results that other people don't get and i found that to be a pretty simple truth and i think it applies here too you shared with me and i think you've you've written that before but the average human believes that happy means devoid of stress. Uh, in a lot of cases, that just isn't the case. It's certainly not the case in my life. How do you navigate that and how do you help people navigate that? But just thinking about that pursuit of happiness and joy in one's career and in life. That's a, that's a great question. And you know, let me give you an example. So we worked with guy named Jared. He came to us because he was experiencing a ton of stress. He was very misaligned with his job and he was experiencing, he, he actually said, Hey, I want to get more work-life balance. This is what he came to us to. Right. And part of that was because he was experiencing so much stress. So Saturday would roll around by the end of Saturday, he's feeling, he's feeling very much, uh, that kind of pit in the bottom of his stomach where it, Eventually, that was there for uh, for about a year or so, and it started causing health issues with him. And you know that stress was building up; it was overflowing into anxiety and and ultimately burnout. And so, by the time he got to us, he's like, "Hey, I just I just need to find something that is is much less stressful." Because he's looking at the problem, realizing that stress was there, and thinking, "Okay, well, I need to do the opposite of this." And so, we we started working with him and said, "Okay, Jared, you know what?" Well, We've got to be able to to figure out, like, we can help you make a job change and we can help you make a career change, but that doesn't mean we won't get you to the new role and get you to the new situation. Who knows? Maybe we'll get you a big raise and maybe we'll get you a bunch of other stuff, but that doesn't mean we won't get you over there. And six months from now, you won't be right back in the same situation where it's misaligned with what you really want and what is most important to you. So we went through and helped them do this exact same type of thing where we began to understand, hey, what is he what is he really great at and have the potential to be great at? And what what where does he want to spend his time in terms of, you know, what he's doing on a daily basis? Started to realize that he feels the most joy in when he gets to teach people in certain ways and communicate in ways that that allow him to teach others some of the things that he gets really excited about. And so we discovered that in a in a few other things. And then also on the other side, uh, discovered that he values actually spending most of his time outside the office. And we discovered that he really values having flexibility and, and autonomy to be able to make a lot of the decisions about when and where he's working too. And, and, and so it, there's, there's a bunch of other stuff too, but ultimately we realized and created sort of this ideal picture for him of what his, what, how he wanted to be spending his time. And as we got him over there, here's the funny thing. We got we got him to a new role, and you know it ended up paying like thirty five thousand dollars more than he is making previously. So he got a nice raise out of it, and blah blah blah. But it, it lined up not only much much better, but the funny thing was you would look at it compared to his previous role and say, whoa 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 whoa, there is way more responsibility. There's got to be way more stress along with it here. And I, I think anybody would probably make that case. He went from being a essentially like in a in a sales type role to being a representative for an entire region and being responsible for just a huge chunk of the business and you know significant promotion and and things along with that. And I, I think that would be the case for everybody. But what was different 
was he was much more aligned with the ways he wanted to be spending his time and much more aligned with some of the things that he was great at, his strengths. We call them signature strengths over at Happen to Your Career. And even though he was having much more uh, authority and everything like that and still experiencing stress, because he was much better aligned with all of that in what he wanted and the ways he wanted to be spending his time, he had a higher capacity to handle that stress in ways that were harmful to him. And it wasn't overflowing into anxiety or burnout or anything else that are the perceived negatives that go along with stress. Does that make sense? It completely makes sense. I really appreciate the perspective you're bringing here. uh, You guys have worked with thousands of people on this. And when we had our conversation last year about framing the career around strengths, uh, you were very kind to pass along a resource to us that I've been passing along to people for the last year. It's a a free course that's on your website called the Eight Day Figure It Out course, and I think it's it's a course on really how to figure out what you love to do, right? You know, really, what it is, just at the heart of it, it's you get an email every single day that forces you to look at your life and different aspects of your life and really prioritize what are the most important areas of it and help figure out where and how do you want to be spending your time, because just like we discussed today. You know, it's not a. It's really not a question of work-life balance. It's it's absolutely not, and that causes you to to focus on the wrong things. And instead, if you really are interested in in figuring out how you want to spend your time, then this this mini course, this eight day mini course, which has videos with it for every single day, you get an email, and then it just guides you through and helps you begin down that path of understanding exactly what you want and what's most important to you in some ways that are very, very actionable in, in just about just a few minutes each day. And we have had, oh my goodness, we've had, uh, we've had literally well over a thousand people email us to say thank you and how much this was, was helpful. And we've had even a few people, I was telling you this earlier that we've had a few people that have said, Hey, can you send me a link where I can just like pay you some money for this? Because they got so much value from it. But we've had about 15,000 people through it. And it's, it's been, uh, even though, you know, it's probably something that we should charge for it. Uh, we've had a lot of, a lot of fun giving it away for free and helping people in that particular way. So yeah, we'd love to do that for the CFL audience as well. Great. Well, I appreciate the offer very much. Uh, we've had a bunch of people from our community check that out over the last year who found it super helpful. And oftentimes when our Academy members are looking for career advice and um, and thinking about strategies, often that's a, a starting point I'll suggest for them too is the figure it out course. So I think we've got a link for it. Is it happentoyourcareer.com slash CFL? Is that where we're... Uh, yeah, we've set that at happentoyourcareer.com forward slash CFL. And if you head over there, then it'll ask you for your, your first name and email, and then that will allow you to enroll in the course. And typically in the first couple of days, you'll even get a, a check-in email asking if there's anything that we can help with from our community success manager, Mike. Fantastic. Well, we'll uh, we'll get that in the show notes in this week's weekly leadership guide. Scott's uh, done such a great job with and his team on thinking through this and helping people to be more effective from a career standpoint, but even beyond the career standpoint of uh, just the big life questions. Uh, it's one of the reasons that we've now affiliated with you, Scott, to really provide this as a resource to our listeners and our community as well. So check that out. 
if you think that this is something, you know, if you're coming out of this conversation uh, like I am thinking about some questions of like, gosh, how do I want to spend my time? What's the best way to prioritize that? I think you'll find that as a really helpful resource. Uh, and Scott, speaking of prioritizing, uh, one uh, one final question I'm I'm curious about knowing is Absolutely. you've been you've been working with a lot of people over the last few years. Um, you've run a very successful business doing this. You've seen a lot of different situations with people questioning careers and life choices. What is something that you've learned that you hold true to be today that maybe you didn't recognize or believe three, four, or five years ago? Oh, something that I've learned. Only one thing. <laughs> Let's see. At least you one. know, <laughs> yeah. You know, I something that's been a recent learning for me and me and my team have really been fleshing out this concept, but we've we've realized that when you, when you begin to think about your life this way, here's what often happens for nearly everybody. At first, at first, we don't even fully realize the possibilities for our life. And a lot of times we are undercutting what our potential actually is. And that's, that's true for nearly all of us. There's always that one person that's like way overshooting what their what their possibilities are. But for everybody else, you know, we we have a tendency to underappreciate what what it is that we could actually achieve within our our life. And what we've learned is as you as you begin to really go through and prioritize what's most important to you and really expose yourself to what could be possible for you and then to be able to commit to that, then there's always this gap there's always this gap between where you are and your behaviors and where you want to be. And we've realized that a lot of what we do in helping people change that gap and overcome that gap, whatever it is, there's always a set of behaviors that change and need to change along the way. And there's this process of becoming a different person. And that is, that is something that if you would ask me five years or especially 10 years ago, I would not have recognized that in order to do the things that matter most to us and do them well and do them in the way that we want to, we literally go through a process of becoming a different person than we were to be able to make that happen. And I, that sounds, that sounded intimidating to both me and my team because that doesn't make for very good marketing because people hear that and they're like, oh, wow, that sounds hard. Uh, but we've realized that that is that is actually what happens and that's part of why what we do when we're working with people is actually really pretty difficult work because we realize that in order to become a different person you have to literally change your behaviors and that's one of the hardest things to do as a human being Scott I really appreciate your uh, thoughts for us and your perspective I know it's going to get a lot of us thinking on ways we can do things differently that's going to help move us forward. I really appreciate it. Thanks. Thank you. I really appreciate you having me on. Scott Anthony Barlow is the founder of Happen to Your Career. You can find out uh, more and learn more about his work on the Happen to Your Career podcast. Thank you so much, Scott. We'll be having the link in the weekly leadership guide and in the show notes to the eight-day video course on figuring out what you love. If that uh, is something you're thinking about right now, I'd certainly encourage you to check out that course from Scott. It's a great resource to 
get started on that completely free. So watch for that link. And thank you also to so many of you who I met last week in the live virtual forums that I hosted here for the Coaching for Leaders community. I also wanted to say a very special thank you to everyone who applied or considered applying for the Coaching for Leaders Academy. We had an amazing response. I'm going to be interviewing so many of our listeners this week to participate in the Academy. It's it's just such an honor to get to see our community come together. And so many people participate, uh, even those of you who the Academy is not right for. Uh, every time we get listeners together live, either in person or online virtually, I'm just so struck by how kind, gracious, helpful people are. We had so many emails uh, this week from people who said, I was just, uh, just enjoyed talking to people and getting feedback and coaching, uh, even though it was just for a few minutes. So thank you so much. And if you were someone who also helped helped uh, to get the word out about the Academy. I'm so grateful for that. Uh, thank you as well. Uh, as many of you know, uh, our entire Coaching for Leaders platform is supported by the Coaching for Leaders Academy. So even if you aren't a part of the Academy and you've done something to help get the word out, you have been a huge part of uh, continuing to keep, continue to keep this a very sustainable endeavor for me and for us and for our entire community. So Thank you so much. I'm really honored. And um, I and if you are picking up this episode for the very first time, or maybe you've just started listening, I hope you will take the first step to get connected with our larger community as well. And the very best way to do that is to start by joining the Coaching for Leaders membership. It's a free membership that's on the Coaching for Leaders website. You get access to a ton of material, including new member casts that are just one just went up and more are coming. Also, my free audio course that's 10 days titled 10 Ways to Empower the People You Lead. If you're looking for a good starting point on some of the concepts and skills and knowledge and models that have been shared on this show over the last six years, that is a fabulous place to start. You can easily activate your free membership anytime. Just go over to the Coaching for Leaders website. That's a great way to do that. It'll get you started on everything you need. Well, maybe not everything, but a lot of the things you need that will get you moving on your leadership development journey. And here's some other episodes that'll get you moving on leadership development and career development as well. Related to today's conversation, episode 175 is titled, How to Know When to Move On. Uh, This episode aired a couple of years ago, and I went through all of the different steps to be thinking about when you're asking yourself that question, is it time for me to move on? Is it time to move on from this position? Is it maybe even time to move on from this organization? And in that episode, I detail out what are the things that you want to be asking yourself if you're at that point in your career? That is episode number 175. It's a valuable question for us all to be asking ourselves once in a while. By the way, there's a great book out on this. Uh, most people don't know about by Seth Godin called The Dip. So if you're asking that question, I'd certainly encourage you to check out that book as well. Again, episode 175. Also, episode 179, we talked a little bit about coaching on this episode, how to hire a coach. Mark Mawinney was on that show, and we talked about uh, if you are thinking about hiring a coach, what are the kinds of things to look for? What are the questions to be asking? Uh, What are the things you should be aware of as far as the uh, coaching industry? So again, that's episode 179. And then finally, Scott was last on the show back on episode 259. We talked about how to figure out your career. And in that conversation, we talk about some of the key elements of using StrengthsFinder, which we've had uh, a conversation with Lisa Cummings recently, uh, and also just how to frame your career, how to put the big pieces in place so that you can ultimately 
do the tactical things more effectively. If you haven't heard that conversation and you're doing a lot of thinking on career, episode 259 is the one to check out last time Scott was on. Next week, I'm thrilled to welcome my friend Tom Henschel back to the show. He's returning. He's the host of the Look and Sound of Leadership podcast. Tom will be back to talk to us about how to give an elevator speech. It's one of those things many of us have heard. We should know what our elevator speech is. Tom is going to tell us what it is, why it's important, and most importantly, how we do it. So see you next week with Tom. Have a great week and see you in seven days. Bye.